Welcome to Ghoul's Night Out with your hostesses, Brandy and Jody. Hello, beautiful ghouls. Welcome. This is Brandy. I'm here with my sister, Jody. Hello. So I have some unfortunate souls sharing their worst dates. Oh, first no. Dates. So first one, I went out with a guy for coffee. Wasn't the best date ever, but not awful. So I agreed on a second date. There were lots of red flags, so I nicely told him it wasn't going to work out. He asked when we could, when he could see me again. I said that I didn't want to go out again. He asked me to go to a movie with him as friends. He said he was going to come over and help me put up my garden fence. I declined. He kept planning our future together. I got my things and paid the bill. He walked me out to my car, gave me a hug that included pinning my arms and lifting me off the ground and swinging my legs back and forth. He begged me to let him know when I got home okay. I sat in my car for a moment and I knew I needed to to vent a bit. My best friend got off work at midnight, so I asked him to meet me for a drink. While I was there, I remembered promising my date that I'd text him when I got home considered lying but then texted that i wasn't home but i had decided to meet a friend and was perfectly safe thanks for your concern didn't think a thing about it but the next day i received a long rant about how rude i was and that if i decided to go somewhere else after the date was over i should have contacted him and let him know so he could come too dude who i've already told that i won't be going out with again you have no say in what i do after our date is over I don't understand guys like that. I know. How how can you pretend like this person didn't just tell I you know. that they don't want to go out with you anymore? I know. It's like it just goes in one ear and out the other. Like we didn't say anything at all. And yeah, I don't. Like, Do they think if they just ignore you long enough, you'll be just like, oh, okay, whatever. I don't know. I don't think that's how it works. No, definitely not. Uh, Next one, the guy took me to McDonald's, ate five hamburgers, one after the other, looked on his phone, asked me if I was horny, and wanted to go to his apartment, Uh, so, quote, so that I can do you. I politely declined and left. I've never been so disappointed in someone on a date. What an asshole. Seriously, what the fuck? (laughs) Here's some hamburgers, you want to do it? Oh my god. (laughs) He's going to stay single forever. Yeah. Oh, my. <laughs> I went out with a co-worker who asked me to go to, a, to go to furniture shopping with him because he wanted a woman's opinion when decorating his new house. He said that for taking the time to go shopping with him, he wanted to buy me dinner. I met him at his place and drove to... And he drove to the furniture store. He asked for my opinion on different pieces of furniture, and if I liked anything, he would examine it thoroughly, then tell me everything that was wrong with it and why I was wrong to like it. Two hours later, we left the store without buying so much as a lamp. He stopped by KFC and bought a bucket of chicken. He then drove us back to his house. We ate the KFC at his kitchen counter. He had no table or chairs. Then he announced it was time for us to go to bed. More accurately, to the mattress on the floor since he had no bed. I picked up my purse and headed to the door. He was insulted and disappointed that we weren't going to end that fantastic evening with coitus. What the fuck? Why do they think that they're entitled to... Because they're men. I actually asked him to dinner after meeting him at an airport. He was tall, handsome, and seemed very nice. We went to dinner in Santa Monica. About a fourth of the way through dinner, he called the waitress over and in a very mean and aggressive way asked what was taking so long. He implied it was her fault. I was very embarrassed as he was being loud. She looked stunned and I was stunned. As politely as possible, I asked him, asked him why did he do that he stated he was the customer and she was there to serve him (laughs) i placed a 20 dollars bill on the table and told him i was leaving because i would not tolerate that type of behavior towards the server he could lose my phone number i gave her 20 dollars and left and told the manager it had nothing to do with the the service Uh, he did call me again i reiterated that what i said and blocked his number nice See, that's what most not all men are like this but no. most of them that that key point was she's here to serve me yeah 
Yeah. That's that's what their goal is. Yeah. They want a woman to serve them. Mm, no. no, thank you. You need to go back in time yes. and become a king. That doesn't happen anymore. No. I want I have once years ago I uh the date because the date was that bad. I don't know what that means. Uh, he didn't realize I had left the date for three hours. Let that sink in. It took him three hours to realize I had left. I met my date while out one night with a guy friend for a local event called First Friday. He asked me for my number after chatting to me and and my friend a bit. The next day he called me and asked me out on a date, all normal. Arranged a time and public place to meet. Okay. I showed up early and was one of three women in the place and one of the women was the bartender he showed up late didn't recognize me remember that he talked to me in person the night before and when we sat to talk it was like pulling teeth then my guy friend showed up it was a neighborhood pub and my date recognized him immediately suddenly my date was chatty kathy even introduced me to my friend though he forgot my name he also seemed to forget my friend and i knew each other i suggested the three of us play a game of billiards to kill kill some time and try and give the guy a chance to straighten up and show me some personality my date agreed and went to see about getting a table he basically got distracted talking to some people already playing pool i had enough of his crap by that point and left Three hours later, I got a text where my date apologized for getting distracted and for taking so long to realize I had left and asked for a second date. (laughs) (laughs) We got a smart one. Okay. My question, why did he ask her out if she obviously didn't interest him that much if he couldn't even remember what she looked like i know he didn't remember that she was already friends with this other person and then he leaves for three hours or however long he left and doesn't even notice she's gone how he obviously wasn't that interested well i'm guessing he wanted he thought she was attractive and wanted her to be all over him all the time follow him around like a puppy while he did whatever he wanted to do Hmm. And treat him the how, you know, mm-hmm. entitled. Yeah. Next one, it was around Christmas time. I had a date in a bar with a guy I talked to online. The date was going all right until he said I could never be in a re- I could never be with you in a relationship, but you could be my Christmas holiday girlfriend. Gee, thanks, I guess. I'm good enough to entertain you for a week or two. I feel blessed. I got up and left, didn't feel like wasting my days off with someone whom I already knew would treat me like garbage. Yeah. Uh, We agreed to meet up in a local pub for a drink, and at first glance, he did look very nice. Tall, well-dressed, and fairly nice to look at. He was rather posh, actually. We started chatting, and I wanted to know what he was interested in doing in his spare time. He enjoyed driving and was an extremely good driver, apparently. He pointed out his big 4x4 car outside the window. Women shouldn't really drive, he said, settling into his favorite conversation. Perhaps 1 in 50 women are capable of driving like a man. Actually, I think I've been instrumental in getting quite a few of the worst ones off the road. If I'm driving down the road and I see a car being badly driven by a woman, I'll have a prang with her. What's a prang? P-R-A-N-G? I have no idea. Nothing serious. I've got good judgment enough just to have a little scrape with no serious harm done. So he probably tries to drive him off the road. Oh. Uh, but it will be her fault. I just won't take evasive action if she's in the wrong. I'll swing in rather than drive around. That's the kind of thing that'll put them off driving and may t- make their insurance go up as well, which might put a stop to them. It's best to get them off the road for their own safety as well as everyone else's. It's probably a relief to them. I'm actually doing them a favor. Hang on, are you leaving? (laughs) (laughs) You know, when I'm on the road and there's a bad driver, you know who it is, I would say, at least 70% of the time. It's men. It's old men. Yeah. Men. Yep. It's, It's men. 
Or when someone is driving around stupid. It's a man. Definitely a man. Yeah. I'm not, not saying yeah. there's bad there's not bad women drivers cuz there no. are. No, but but that's just like 90% of the time when men say we are emotional, it's them throwing a big emotional fit. Yes. It's it's they're insecure. Yes. Extremely. And they're getting worse because they're realizing that women aren't putting up with their shit no, anymore. No, are not putting up with shit. No shit. Many years ago, my doctor thought I would be a good fit for his anesthesiologist friend, so I agreed to a blind date. I was a young lawyer. We agreed to meet at an outdoor spot near a marina, so I dressed appropriately for the date. I looked nice. The gentleman arrived wearing a trench coat. It was summer. I thought, okay, that's a little odd. The trench coat never came off. He barely spoke to me. I had to carry the whole conversation, if you can call it that. I left as soon as I could, reasonably do so without making a scene. I very politely told my doctor friend not to match me with anyone else with this particular friend. He was creepy. Why did he have a trench coat on? In the summer, and it didn't come off. The whole That's day? weird. That no wonder weird. he's single. I kept expecting you to say, and he flashed her. That's what I was... Oh, God. I'm glad I didn't say that. He's still weird. Not that weird, but weird. Well, it's like, why would you wear a trench coat in the summer? Seriously. Oh, my God. <laughs> and these have all been guys, by the way. Oh, uh, yeah. I've it's not that. men complaining about women. Yeah. Uh, and my last one. I was dating this guy in 2013. One day, we went to Ikea to have our lunch at the cafe. As usual, the cafe was packed with people. It made more sense for me to find a table while he went to get the food. The line moves in such a way that you've got your food, pay for it, and then moved into the self-service station where you would pick up utensils, napkins, and drinks. I found us a table after searching for over 15 minutes, and he came back with a tray full of food. I could see the sour look on his face and assumed he was just cranky from the long queue i noticed there were no utensils and naturally asked no utensils i thought perhaps the cafe ran out of clean ones he immediately retorted yes because i want you to go pick them up he emphasized the word you with a fake smile plastered on his face now get this the guy had to walk past the utensil station on the way to our table Picking up the utensils would not have cost him anything nor require any extra effort. He then refused to do it simply because he couldn't stand the idea that I could sit on my ass and relax while he, in his mind, did everything. I had to intentionally walk to get the, uten the utensil station to grab a set of utensils. Yes, one set. I placed the one set of utensils on the table, told him to enjoy his lunch, and walked off. I had lost my appetite. I was getting ready to say that's what he was pissy about because yeah. she didn't offer he didn't. to get the food yeah. for him. Yeah. See? Entitled. Yep. And those were mine for so, the beginning. I'm so happy. <laughs> those were so uplifting. Sorry to piss everyone off. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I did some more um, Bigfoot stories. Okay. On the crisps. <laughs> that was great Bigfoot stories, you guys. Let's and that's all hear it for Jody. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just rewind that and start over. Okay. On the crisp morning of December 4th, 2005, around 8.15 a.m., I found myself standing in a familiar spot approximately 50 yards from the southwest corner boundary marker of my property. The air was crisp and a hushed stillness blanketed the surroundings. My attention was suddenly seized by the clamor of the neighbor's dogs. Their barking erupted and it was directed southward toward Arkansas Highway 7. They sprinted briefly but then halted, leaving me to ponder the reason behind their sudden commotion. My initial thought was that they were chasing after a deer, probably a doe or a buck, that had ventured near the road. The urge to grab my gun from the truck surged within me. However, a fleeting memory made me realize that my vehicle was parked outside the fence in front of my house, which meant I would have to hurry back and retrieve it. The idea of startling the deer by moving rapidly in its direction made me hesitate. 
I decided to remain still, hoping to catch a glimpse of the majestic creature without causing it undue stress. The dogs had ceased barking, and I believed that the deer would change its course upon sensing my presence if it had happened to spot me moving in its direction. So I stood silently, my eyes trained on the spot where I expected the deer to appear. My intention was to make a mental note of its location so I could return later to hunt it, undisturbed. In those fleeting moments, only one of the dogs managed to lay eyes on the mysterious visitor. The sight that unfolded before my eyes was a sight I would forever carry with me. Although the encounter lasted no more than two or three seconds, the image was indelibly etched into my memory. It was a vision that defied explanation, a creature that blurred the line between the known and the unexplained. At first, as the creature came into view, I was certain I was gazing upon an extraordinarily large man. My mind struggled to process what lay before me. But as the seconds ticked away, a realization dawned. It was not a man. It was an animal, unlike any I had ever encountered. The creature was situated approximately 50 yards away, on the opposite side of an old fence that had been overtaken by nature, consumed by a tangle of grass, weeds, and vines. My vantage point allowed me to observe its upper body in what I saw defied conventional explanation. It was neither bare nor human, though it exhibited characteristics of both. A thick, dark coat of black hair adorned its body, and even from the side I could discern that its face was similarly dark, as if covered with a thin layer of hair. Its posture was notably manlike, and its build was substantial, akin to a very large man, a comparison I would later draw to a friend who stood approximately six foot nine and weighed 280 pounds. This enigmatic being was, in all likelihood, even taller, yet it shared the same robust build. Regrettably, I was afforded only a fleeting glimpse of the creature. Its passage was swift, a brisk trot or perhaps a jog, as it covered roughly 20 yards in those mere seconds. There was no discernible up-and-down motion to its stride, and it traversed the the terrain effortlessly. (laughs) Effortlessly. Its movements synchronized and purposeful. As it journeyed along the old fence row, my heart raced, my mind racing in tandem as I struggled to comprehend the spectacle unfolding before me. The creature remained obscured from full view, thanks to the limitations of my vantage point and the thick forest canopy. I cannot discern distinct facial features from the side, though the dark hair-covered visage was unmistakable. The forest in which it moved was a well-used deer crossing, a place where nature's pathways converged. The old fence row I stood by bisected both sides of Arkansas Highway 7. To the west, the fence row had recently been cleared, while the east side had been logged approximately five years prior, allowing undergrowth and a game trail to flourish along the southern fringe. A short distance to the southwest, a dense thicket spanning roughly three acres stood as an imposing presence. Within its depths, partial clearings intermittently broke the dense cover. Navigating this thicket often requires clippers or a machete, although some areas were more accessible. As the creature traversed this well-trodden deer crossing, it ventured within approximately 40 yards of the highway's west side right-of-way. My belief was that it waited patiently for a break in the traffic, ensuring it remained unseen. It was apparent that it moved with an with an awareness of its surroundings, crossing only when it was certain no cars posed a threat. I was acutely aware that this creature was not fleeing from danger. It displayed no signs of panic or distress. This was a deliberate and purposeful journey, a creature at ease in its surroundings. In the moments that followed, I played the encounter over and over in my mind, attempting to make sense of it all. However, I was met with more questions than answers. There was no doubt in my mind that I had witnessed something extraordinary, something that defied categorization (laughs) or rational explanation. This was no illusion or fleeting trick of the light. I had been there. I had seen it. A creature that had no place in the known realms of nature. As I stood at the very spot where this inexplicable encounter had unfolded, I searched for tracks but found none amidst the brush and foliage. The memory of that day has remained vivid and unaltered in my mind, and my conviction about what I saw has not wavered. This encounter, briefly, brief yet profound, has left me with a lifelong curiosity 
a relentless desire to seek answers and unravel the mysteries of the natural world. In the face of the unexplained, I have become a seeker of truth compelled by the realization that the world holds secrets far more profound than I could have ever imagined. That's crazy. And it really sounds like they got like a pretty good look at it. Yeah. That there's got to be Bigfoot out there. There's got to be. Well, that's my thing. It's like people are like, it's not real. It's not real. But look at all the stories. Yeah. And they all describe them pretty much the same, but little differences. Yeah. Like the color of the hair or like if they've seen females or children, mm-hmm. it, it, they've got to be out there unless and all these people are lying. I, yeah. And there are, there are sure. probably quite a few yeah. that are lying, but I don't think every single person that has ever said they have seen beef Bigfoot is lying. I don't either. There's no way. There's yeah. no way. There's so many. Just like aliens or yeah. ghosts or, you know, whatever. Yeah. And, you know, I'm not saying either that it's actually like a Bigfoot creature, but it might be something we just don't have the capability of comprehending yeah so that's how we see it but that might not be what it you know what it actually is yeah who knows and we just don't we just don't know it yet but there's something out there there there's something there's something and it could be something that is totally scientific we just don't know it yet highly possible yeah it was the morning of wednesday october 12th 2005 when an unusual series of events unfolded forever etching themselves into the memory of our quiet neighborhood. The previous night had been marked by incessant barking from our neighbor's dogs, a chorus of restlessness that seemed to hang in the air like an omen. Little did we know that these vocal protests were merely a prelude to the mysteries that would soon unravel. As dawn broke, a spectral silence settled upon the landscape, broken only by the sharp barking of our own dog in the backyard. Instinctively, I ventured out to calm her, but what I heard next stopped me in my tracks. From the depths of our property near the gnarled fruit trees that had borne countless harvests over the years came a sound that seemed to carry the weight of the unknown. It was heavy, unnaturally so, and accompanied by the unsettling cacophony of branches snapping and breaking underfoot. The following morning, the inexplicable continued. It was around 8.30 a.m. when my husband ventured out to his truck in the backyard. The tranquility of the morning was shattered by an abrupt disturbance emanating from the vicinity of our shop. It was a sound he could not dismiss as mere wildlife or a hunter going about their business. Instead, it carried the unnerving resonance of bipedal movement, something that should have defied explanation. The creature, whatever it was, bore down on the forest floor with ponderous weight, each step accentuated by the dense symphony of the woods. The creature snorted, a guttural exhalation that reverberated through the stillness of the morning. My husband listened intently, the puzzle of this enigmatic presence gnawing at his curiosity. Who or what could traverse the woods with such distinctiveness, creating an impression that transcended the realm of the familiar? That's writing. Four days later, on Sunday, October 16th, I embarked on a neighborhood walk, little suspecting that the path I tread would lead to a revelation. <laughs> they just write so weird. <laughs> it's not how people... Th- no, it's not. As I ventured along the winding roads, I stumbled upon an extraordinary discovery. On the gray slate road that stretched before our very house, a curious trail of footprints had materialized. Initially, I dismissed them as the playful marks of a child, tracing their steps with innocent enthusiasm. However, a closer inspection altered my perception. Before me lay not one, but two sets of footprints, a testament to the uncanny nature of the mystery that surrounded us. The larger of the two measured a staggering thirteen and a half inches in length and seven inches in width, an imposing impression that defied conventional human proportions. Beside it, the smaller print was nine inches long and four inches wide, still far from resembling anything remotely childlike. Captivated and undeterred by the oddity of it all, I decided to document my findings. Armed with a camera, I meticulously photographed each footprint, determined to capture the inexplicable. The measurements remained consistent, a curious conundrum that resisted easy explanation. 
To put this in perspective, the larger footprint was three inches wider than my husband's own, an opposing testament to the enigmatic visitor who had left these indelible marks. (laughs) And they use the same words over and over and over again. (laughs) My husband, a man of considerable stature, found himself dwarfed by the prince, confronted with an undeniable mystery that transcended the bounds of ordinary experience. In the wake of these bewildering events, our once tranquil neighborhood was forever changed. Questions loomed where answers remained elusive, and the ordinary gave way to the extraordinary. (laughs) The enigma of those footprints left an indelible mark on our lives, a reminder that the world holds mysteries, defy easy explanation, beckoning us to explore the unknown and embrace the inexplicable. Inexplicable. Gee, these... (laughs) They're just so... They want to try and sound smart. Maybe they used the thesaurus. They, yeah. They definitely did. (laughs) Definitely. Okay, this is the last story. In the heart of a remote valley nestled amid a dense expanse of cut-over forest lay our 120 acres of untamed wilderness. It was a plot of land surrounded by the formidable embrace of timber company-owned territories, a sanctuary for those who sought refuge in the embrace of nature's solitude. At the end of a winding dead-end road, our adventure in this untamed realm was just beginning. On my allocated piece of this wilderness, a small rise graced the northern half of the valley. There, amidst the rugged beauty of the wilderness, I toiled to construct a simple shack, a sanctuary where the simple pleasures of hunting and camping would find their refuge. Little did I know that our secluded haven would soon become the stage for a mystery that defied explanation. It was a quiet night, the gentle hum of nature's symphony surrounding me as I worked by the warm flickering glow of my lantern, The hour was near 8 p.m., and a desire for a cigarette drew me to the shack's modest deck. Stepping out into the night, I reached for my lighter, igniting a small flame that would reveal the extraordinary. In an instant, a roar of sound shattered the tranquil serenity of the valley. From the depths of the southern ridge, approximately 300 yards away, a cacophonous scream rent the stillness of the night. The chilling scream, a twisted blend of terror and otherworldly intensity, enveloped me, paralyzing me in its grip. I stood rooted to the spot, my senses electrified, the hair on the back of my neck standing at attention, an eerie phenomenon I had not experienced in years. Though the scream itself lasted but a few heartbeats, its presence lingered in my mind for what felt like an eternity. The night was shrouded in a thick curtain of clouds, rendering my vision near useless. Fueled by a sense of unease, I dashed inside the shack in search of a flashlight. With hatchet in hand and flashlight ablaze, I ventured towards my truck. Anxiety welled within me, compounded by the realization that my rifle remained locked within the vehicle. Approaching my truck, I was met with a bizarre sight that further deepened the enigma. The vehicle, a seemingly immovable fortress, was in fact trembling. It quaked and vibrated as if possessed by some invisible force. It was then that I discovered the source of this inexplicable phenomenon. A German shepherd, my loyal companion, who had sought refuge in the bed of the truck. He was curled in a tight ball, his entire form quaking in an uncontrollable frenzy. Without hesitation, I made the decision to flee the scene. There was no time to linger or seek answers, only the pressing urgency to escape the palpable sense of foreboding that had descended upon us. We left behind that strange quaking truck and retreated into the darkness. In the nights that followed, the narrative of our strange encounter took an even more surreal turn. A friend, initially skeptical and somewhat derisive of my account, paid a visit to inspect the progress of the shack. I couldn't blame him. The lanterns, the weapons laid out on the table, all must have seemed like the eccentricity of an overwrought imagination. As we ventured ventured out into the illuminated deck, the uncanny descended once more. In a heartbeat, the same deafening scream emanated from the southern ridge, as if summoned by our presence. My friend, who had once scoffed at my account, now stood back to back with me, both of us fixated on the obscure depths of the night. 
The echoes of that terrifying scream reverberated through the woods, a chilling reminder of an enigma that persisted beyond explanation. Our dog was not with us this time, and we were armed, our flashlights casting beams into the murky unknown. For two long hours, we remained vigilant, waiting for further signs or sounds, but the night yielded nothing beyond that haunting scream. Weeks passed, and the riddle of those nights remained etched in our minds. It was during a conversation with another property owner, one who shared our patch of wilderness, that the pieces of the puzzle began to align. He, too, had experienced a strange encounter. In his section of land, nestled against the southern ridge where the cacophonous screams had originated, he had been diligently burning piles of deadfall. His efforts were soon interrupted by an eerie sensation the feeling of being watched by an unseen presence. In the dim light of the forest, he first attributed the sound he heard to a deer or a bear, a common sight in these wild woods. Yet, as he listened more intently, it became apparent that the sounds were distinctively bipedal. How can the sounds be bipedal? Uh, just like one footfall, like one, you know. Mm. It was as if something human-like was circling him in the underbrush, creating an unsettling spectacle. To further perplex the situation, an overpowering stench, a nauseating amalgamation of roadkill and wet dog with a sulfurous undertone wafted through the air. Fear seized him, rendering him incapable of continuing his fire-tending task. Ignoring the still-smoldering fires, He retreated from the woods, haunted by the presence that had stalked him in the shadows. In the grand tapestry of nature's wonders, our experiences remained as elusive and unexplained as the haunting screams that had reverberated through the valley. Amid the howling of the wind and the rustling of the leaves, we were left with the unsettling knowledge that the world was a stranger place than we had ever imagined, a realm where the ordinary gave way to the extraordinary, and the mysteries of the wild beckoned urging us to explore the enigma that dwelled in the heart of our untamed domain. That's it. All right. I have some scary true stories. Okay. I bet they're not written as well as mine They are. Were. I guarantee they are not. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It was near Halloween time when my friends and I were telling ghost stories. My friend said she was going to tell a story about her parents' first date. She said she didn't like telling the story since it was actually true, but we prodded her on. To cut, the cha- to cut to the chase, the parents had spent a nice, if awkward, first date, and around the time that they would have said goodnight, the male in the situation, my friend's dad, suggested that, suggested that they go for a midnight hike up Provo Canyon. He apparently knew the place since he had done a fair amount of rock climbing in the area. So the two drove up the mouth of the canyon, got out of their cars, and started hiking under just the light of the stars since it was a new moon. At some point, the male starts getting a really bad feeling since the pathway ahead, which would pass under some trees, would be dark, and because it was getting quite late. He ignores the feeling and presses on. In later rehearsing of the story, the female would say that she felt the same feeling that was probably at the same time, though she didn't know the trail as he did. A minute later, the feeling came back to the male. He ignored it again and started walking a bit of the way into the trees when he felt his foot hit something soft in the middle of the path. Under the trees, it was too dark to see just what this soft thing was, and the feeling came back stronger than ever. Instead of finding out what his foot had bumped into, he and the female both agreed to hightail it out of there. Years later, after being married for some time, they were watching an interview with the serial killer Ted Bundy. In response to a question asking him to describe the time that he felt the closest to being caught, he explained about the night that he lured a girl into Provo Canyon and had just killed her when he heard people coming up the trail. He explained how he hid in the trees just in time, only to watch some guy walk right into the body, and for some reason, just turn around and walk away. But that is creepy. That is super creepy. Oh my gosh. Maybe ten years ago, when Zanga was a thing, do you know what that is? Is that a game? Well, it says I'd be on the computer at my grandparents' house, so yeah, I'm, I'm assuming a computer game. Uh, they would own uh, they own an old Victorian house, and the front of the house has three living rooms in the shape 
of an upside down L. And the foyer to connect the two corner living rooms, the computer is in the middle room. I usually shut the doors to the front one because the house is huge. I hated seeing things out of the corner of my eyes, which I felt I did a lot more at a younger age than I do now when I'm there. Anyway, door shut. I hear something banging into the window of that room. There was a front door in the room that was just that I was just in with a wraparound porch to the other side of the front room. So I walk out. Nothing is there. I go back inside. More computer games. The door starts moving as if someone is trying to open it. And I was home alone. <laughs> That's creepy. Next one. I travel weekly for work and had been staying near Dallas-Fort Worth Airport. During this week in July, my suite didn't seem out of the ordinary. Monday, no problem. Tuesday morning, somehow the bathroom door locked and closed itself during the night and I couldn't get in. I had to call the engineers to open it. I thought it was strange, but whatever. Tuesday night slash Wednesday morning, I dreamt that the bathroom faucet was running. I woke up hearing my faucet running full blast. No one was in my room and I certainly didn't turn it on. The faucet had separate hot and cold handles and it took a little force to turn the water on. I looked at the time and it was 3.15 a.m. I then turned all the lights on and waited until 8 a.m. to check out. I should have asked for another room right then. Yeah. Yeah, that's creepy. Especially if you're having dreams about that room. That's weird. Ew. Yeah. Next one. Happened last night, actually. I have two parakeets, and at night I keep their cage covered to keep them warm and block the light out so they can sleep better. They usually sleep quite peacefully through the night. Uh, except for last night, it was around midnight, and all of a sudden they started freaking out and flying around the cage, obviously spooked by something. I quickly uncovered the cage so they could see, and they eventually calmed down and settled on their perch again. It reminded me of all those ghost movies I've seen where animals can see or sense demons that humans can't. I'm sure there's a logical explanation for this, like maybe one of them moved in their sleep and startled the other one, but I don't know. It definitely was unsettling because they never have done that. Hmm. That's, That's weird. That is weird. About a month ago, I was flying down to Texas to visit a close friend, and it was about 8.30, so it was dusk. The sun was shining inside the plane, so most everyone had the sliding blinds down. Out of nowhere, I had the urge to look out the window, so go ahead and do so. Immediately, I looked down to see the view, and out of nowhere probably 400 to 500 feet below the plane a small jet slash missile looking object flies by extremely fast it was man-made because it had decals and was jet black but it lacked wings and barely looked large enough to hold a single person it flew in the opposite direction of the plane and i just and i saw a jet stream it left behind longer than i saw the actual object I remember saying, whoa, and looking around to see if anyone had saw the same thing I did to no avail. Still, I have no idea what I saw. It's not exactly creepy, but extremely strange and a little unsettling. Yeah. That is weird. creepy. Yeah. I have a brother two years older than me. Let's call him John. My parents told me that when he was a few months old, every night at around 2 or 3 a.m., John would wake up to the po and point at the ceiling and start crying and screaming. This wouldn't stop until he was one and a half years old when he moved into my grandmother's room. She was staying with us to look after him. Uh, while the problem seemed to go away, it came back when I was born and my parents put me in the same spot where my brother used to sleep. From what my mother told me, I would do the same thing John did scream and cry while pointing at the same spot. My dad decided to call in a priest and bless the house and the problem seemed to stop. We moved out of the house a few late a few years later and even now I get chills just thinking about it. What were they seeing? I don't know, that's so weird. Especially for them to scream and cry. Yeah, about point it. at the same spot on the ceiling? Mm -mm. Weird. Next time when I was about twelve or thirteen, both my parents worked, as they still do. At that time, I have the house to myself until half past three in the afternoon. We didn't have a landline at the time, only cell phones. For maybe a month or two, here and there, I'd hear a ringing noise for a few minutes at a time. It sounded a lot like a landline. And bear in mind that our closest neighbor was about a half a mile away. The creepiest account was this happening around one to three in the morning. 
I'd just lay down and go to bed and it would ring. It sounded like it was right inside my room, right by my head. As far as I know, it didn't stop until I fell asleep and that was the last time I can remember it happening. I don't think I would have been able to fall asleep. No, with phone ringing in your head? No. That's weird. Girlfriend and I are sleeping. She startles awake and says in an urgent tone, Lemming, Lemming, are you okay? I tell her I'm fine. She describes a bad dream where I was convulsing next to her. I tell her it was just a dream and lay back down. About two minutes later, she flings up screaming bloody murder and flailing and shouting my name. Apparently, she went back to sleep right back in the, into the same dream. Basically had PTSD about it for a few months after. Spent about a month sleeping in different rooms because every time I shifted, it would freak her out. Even when she was finally okay enough to sleep in the same bed, I had to try to remain perfectly still, and any movement, I had to be careful and deliberate. Next one, I was at a friend's house around 12 years ago. We were in the basement watching TV when my mom's boyfriend comes downstairs to tell us to keep it down. We look at each other confused because we were literally just watching TV and it wasn't at a high volume at all. We said we weren't being loud and he said you weren't yelling. We shook our heads and he just sort of does the huh looks look and tells us that he and my friend's mom had heard someone screaming coming up from the furnace vents. So he thought it was coming from the basement where the furnace is. We didn't hear anything. We were like 15 feet away from the furnace. Sadly, I can't verify the next the next story because I wasn't there, but my friend from the basement and another friend say they were upstairs in the kitchen one night hanging out and they heard a scream clear as day coming out of one of the furnace vents. Freaked them out naturally, but I never got to hear it. Probably just mental cracking. No. <laughs> Probably just metal creaking. <laughs> But it was weird that we were so close to it and didn't hear anything that could be interpreted as a scream. That is really creepy. That is really creepy. And especially like that not only one person yeah. heard that. Oh my God. But you never do? Yeah. That's weird. That is weird. And my last month, my last one, I can't talk. I can't my either. One, <laughs> my wife's mother passed away in 2003 from cancer. After the funeral, family and friends gathered at her house for a final celebration of her life. The gathering went late into the evening. My son, three at the time, needed to go to bed at that point. I walked him up to, up the stairs where he would sleep. The room that my mother-in-law passed away in was upstairs and straight down the hallway as you reached the top of the landing. My son and I walk upstairs together with me holding his hand. As I nearly reached the top of the stairs, my son stopped and wouldn't move. At the point which he could see just down the hallway. He was staring straight down the hall. I looked at him, then go down the hall to open the doorway to a completely dark bedroom. He just stares and would not go any further. I asked him, buddy, are you okay? His response was, daddy, the light. The light scares me. I look again down the hall where he was staring into darkness. Buddy, you see a light? Yes, daddy, it scares me. I promptly picked him up and went back downstairs. To this day, the hairs still stand on the back of my de- neck when I think about it. The light scares him? That's what he said. Hmm. All right. It's time for the witty wrap-up. Yay, witty wrap-up! These are funny customer service complaints. Oh, no. Okay. And these are from the UK, so oh. I don't know if we'll actually get them. Okay, well, let's but see. we'll try. <laughs> A customer phoned to complain following the delivery of a curtain pole. On finding no one home, the driver decided it would be possible to still deliver the pole through the letterbox. When the customer returned, they found their dog pinned to the wall. Oh my god! (laughs) Poor puppy. Oh my god! Oh my god, that's hilarious. I'm delivering this damn curtain pole. And how hard did he have to shove it in there to pin the fucking dog? And it couldn't have been that fast. Why didn't the dog get out of the way? He was gonna take it on. <laughs> he didn't care. Oh my god. That's funny. 
Following the purchase of a dishwasher, a customer returned to the store and announced, The dishwasher is quite obviously faulty. When set to wash, water sprays, but the plates don't spin. I don't know. <laughs> so they think those plates move? I don't know. <laughs> I don't get it. That's okay. A student contacted a food producer to complain that he'd almost choked on a fish hook. A full investigation followed involving full traceability reports. It was established that the dish used net caught fish and no hooks had been used in the production process. The student apologized for trying to falsely obtain compensation. Aww. He didn't think that one through. <laughs> he didn't. Who knew that they catch him with nets instead of fish hooks? There's not millions of people with fishing lines out in the ocean. It's nice to know that it's not just the U.S. that people that are stupid. It is nice to know. <laughs> but the plants don't spin. <laughs> oh my god. <sighs> the only way to know that is if they had the dishwasher open while it was running. <laughs> then it definitely would not work. <laughs> oh my gosh. <sighs> okay. A customer complained that the ham he'd purchased was unreasonably salty. The retailer said he would receive a full refund on the return of the remaining ham. The customer said this would be impossible. He'd managed to eat the remaining 480 grams of the offending ham. Whoa, what? It's too salty, I but... I it was too salty. I'm hungry, so... <laughs> Ate the whole fucking thing. <laughs> and then complain? <laughs> a lot of people do that. Oh my god. Just like in restaurants, they'll complain to the wait. This was horrible, but yet they uh, they ate all of it. Oh it's like, god. what is? Mm-hmm. I'm not paying for this. I yeah, ate it all, but... assholes. <laughs> a supermarket customer complained that his bill was wrong. The assistant explained that a number of in-store discounts had been applied, hence the lower than expected bill. The customer would not accept this and insisted on speaking to the manager. Despite further explanation, the customer could not be appeased until it was accepted that he was right and allowed to pay the higher total. What the actual... People are stupid. Everywhere, apparently. (laughs) (laughs) No, I don't want to pay this lower price. Trying to charge me less than what I want to pay? How dare you? Who does that? I would have been like, oh, right on. Yeah, I've been like, did you forget something? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. (sighs) On receiving a call advising that her contact lens order was early and could be collected, the customer complained to the head office, suggestion that the overzealous ordering system was akin to high-pressure selling. Okay. I guess because their order came early. I don't Go know. get your fucking contacts and shut the fuck up. Uh, yes, that's that's the appropriate <laughs> response. God, what? I would love to be able to tell people stuff like fuck that. Yes, when I mean when it's appropriate. Like, don't go off on people all the time. But well, yeah, when they're that like dumb. like this, Siri, your order came in early and you're mad. What the fuck? Seriously. Go would have been like, right on, con- yeah. my order's here. Everyone else would have been jazzed about that. Except for you, you fucking moron. <laughs> oh my god. A customer threatened to escalate his complaint, adamant that his phone should have withstood a full wash cycle. Oh my god. The label sewn to his jacket pocket clearly stated that the pocket was fully waterproof. So was he complaining to the phone company or the jacket company? I think the phone company. Um, because his phone, I don't know, isn't waterproof. The pocket was supposed to be waterproof, so he's he's complaining to the wrong people. I don't know. Maybe he complained to both of them. (laughs) Sounds like that. Probably, probably. (laughs) 
A television was returned because the picture was not clear. On being told he was required to remove the protective film from the screen, the customer insisted that at no point during the sales process had he been told he'd be required to do this and insisted on a full refund plus compensation for his wasted time. (laughs) Of course, sir. (laughs) Do that right after you go fuck yourself. Oh, my God. (laughs) Get right on that. Oh, my God. What? The salesman didn't tell me there would be plastic on it. (laughs) Okay, just take it off. Take it off. What the fuck? Oh, and I want money for my wasted time. <laughs> I you want, want money, money for this for, conversation. You want money for your stupidity? I want money for your stupidity. <laughs> I want money because I had to sit here and listen to your dumb exactly. ass. Exactly. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> an insurance company received a call following an incident in a hired camper van. It claimed that a crash and the resulting damage to the interior and exterior of the van was the result of a faulty auto drive system. Oh, God. In his claim, the customer stated, I put the vehicle into auto drive and walked to the rear of the vehicle. (laughs) Oh, my God. Only to be thrown against the bassinet, (laughs) flinging fresh coffee against the wall and cabinets as the auto drive failed and took us at some speed into the hedgerow. What? No. What? I didn't know we had auto drive cars. We don't. <laughs> we fucking don't. We we don't. And oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> Make me spill my coffee. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> what? Oh my god, I would be so embarrassed. I would never tell anyone no. that happened. Ever. No. I'd be like, I will take the damage and my burns <laughs> and go hide under a rock because that's where I belong. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> On return from a camping holiday on an approved farm stay site, a holiday maker requested a full refund stating their holiday had been ruined by the intrusive noise of cows mooing. <laughs> At the farm stay! At the farm stay! There's cows mooing. Oh my god, that How ruined dare. my vacation! How dare they! A cow mooed! <laughs> oh my god a pet owner contacted a high profile department store to complain that the dog coat purchased was not fit for purpose when dressed in the dog coat she revealed her rabbit had gnawed through the straps um do they not know what a dog and a rabbit are i don't know guess not wow okay a pet shop owner, oh wait, a pet shop refunded a customer after they complained the hamster recently purchased was neither friendly nor cuddly. <laughs> it sounds like they need a stuffed animal. Yes. Oh my gosh. Poor hamster. <laughs> <laughs> Try to cuddle with a fucking hamster. How do you do that? You can't. It's not cuddly. What? <laughs> I hope that fucking hamster bit their face. <laughs> I probably did. <laughs> a customer contacted a leading watch brand to complain about the quality of its goods. Despite the company's promise of quality, the strap had failed to stand up to being chewed by a dog. <laughs> oh my... A blouse was returned to a high street retailer with a demand not only for a refund, but compensation for the vet's fees incurred due to the pattern causing the customer's dog to bite itself. (laughs) (laughs) What? (laughs) What? (laughs) What? (laughs) 
god. A high street bank received a complaint from a customer complaining its TV advertisement encouraged animal cruelty. The ad featured a pet snake being released into the garden. <laughs> okay. I would love to be a fly on the wall when they saw that. They're like, what? What are they doing to that poor snake? They let him in the grass? Holy shit. I gotta call someone. <laughs> what? Oh my god. Holy shit. A utilities company received a call from a customer complaining about the exceptionally high quality of customer service. What? It was suggested that less money was spent on staff training and the savings put to reducing customer bills. Oh my god, what? Oh my god. So not only now can you complain about bad customer service, but you can also complain about good customer service. Who the fuck would do that? Like, seriously, what is wrong with these people? Like, seriously, what's wrong with these people? A a customer contacted their electric... A customer contacted their electricity provider complaining a power failure resulting from high winds caused them to miss a vital episode of Coronation Street. Oh, shit. (laughs) How dare they mess with my show? That is a valid complaint. I'm sorry, but... (laughs) I used to get so pissed off when I used to have regular TV Mm -hmm. and I would be watching my show and then it wouldn't come on because of fucking baseball. Oh, my God. I know. It used I to piss me shit. off so bad. Yeah, I remember that. Or the Olympics. Oh, I know. Fuck off, Olympics. Yeah, I don't give a fuck yeah, about that. I hate it. You're that. messing with my shows. <laughs> <laughs> An internal help desk received a call from a user complaining that they she could only view her monitor correctly if she lay her head on her desk. Once the monitor was rotated by the support team, the product or problem was solved. Shut the fuck <laughs> up! What? Could you imagine going to someone's desk and they had their head laid down so they could... Because it was sideways? Yeah. <laughs> oh my god! I would be like, get the fuck out of here. Right now. Right now! You're fired! You're fired! Oh my god. I can't. Even though I don't have the authority to do so. You are fired. You are fired! Get the fuck out! This might be your house, but go. (laughs) (laughs) A diner complained to the waiter that the champagne recommended was not as excellent as suggested. Despite consuming all but a glass of the bottle, he insisted on a full refund. Of course he did. Of course he did. Okay, and this is the last one. Having filled his car with petrol at an independent petrol station, a customer presented his fuel card to pay. On being told that this card was not accepted, he explained that he had no other means of payment and suggested that he call his bank to arrange a transfer. The cashier was not happy, accused the driver of trying to steal fuel, and drew a shotgun on him. This complaint is still being investigated. (laughs) Oh. Wow. And that's all I got. All right. Thank you so much for listening. Send in your stories. We need them. Ghoulsnightoutpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, You can rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen, and we will talk to you next week. Later. Bye. It's just the way they're written. They're written like so elegantly. They were, yeah. Not used to having stories like that. (laughs) I know. It was very strange. (laughs) Let's see. I'll skip. I don't want to read like the whole... Oh, there's not very many left. Hmm. I guess I'll just read the whole book. (laughs) Okay. Alrighty. Author might not be too happy about that, but well, that's all right. <laughs> I'm sure he's not listening to our podcast. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> hey, if Harrison Ford listens, he definitely <laughs> I was thinking about that. I'm like, could you imagine fucking Indiana Jones being like, ooh, Ghoul's Night Out? <laughs> What's this? <laughs> I can't, that is not even, that does not even compute. That's not, that would never happen. Hey, you don't know. And it's really weird. Me and Peyton have been watching the Indiana Jones over when he comes over. That's funny. We have too. Have you? Yeah. 
I forgot. So, um, Temple of Doom has always been my favorite. Yeah. So we're on the the third. We were on the third one last week, mm-hmm. which is the one with uh, his dad. Yeah. It's the Last Crusade. Yeah, and I re- and I remember thinking when I was younger when I first saw it that it wasn't that great. Oh yeah. But I watched it again. It was actually pretty good. Yeah, they're all good. Yeah. They're all really good. Love Indiana Jones. So do I. All right, are we ready? <laughs> How many times are you going to ask me that? I don't know. Okay. 